When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Peak Northwest, an outdoors and travel podcast by The Oregonian, dedicated to the adventure and exploration of our beautiful Pacific Northwest. I'm Jamie Hale. And I'm Jim Ryan. And if you're new to the podcast, essentially, Jamie, what we like to do is take you around to some of the most beautiful destinations throughout the Northwest. And today, we're discussing the Elver Desert, fascinating destination I've actually never visited in the far southeastern corner of Oregon. But Jamie, fortunately for you all, was just down there. Jamie, what'd you find? Oh, it was my first time down there. Really? That's right. I had made it down to the southeastern corner, but as anyone who's driven out there knows, it is a haul to get just about anywhere down there. Oh, yeah. The Alvord Desert is on the southeastern side of Steens Mountain, which is the highest part of that state. And it is a beautiful but remote and pretty barren spot once you get there. And so Steens is kind of overlooking this whole region, is kind of uh, the masterpiece in the background uh, of every photo that I saw of yours, including some epic sunset shots from the playa. But Jamie, tell me about this place, man. It looks gorgeous. Yeah, so the Alvord Desert is actually a dry lake bed. It's seasonally dry. So you go out there usually in the summertime or the late spring or early fall when there's no moisture out there on the playa. And it's this kind of cracked, muddy lake bed um, that when it's dry, you can take your car out there or you can take any kind of vehicle you want out there and drive across it as fast as you want or just enjoy the scenery and enjoy how it looks. Steens Mountain kind of lording over the horizon just to the east. My friends and I have flirted with doing this trip multiple times. We've never actually made it happen because it's it's not at all a quick trip. What what does it take to to put a track down to the Elver together? If you look at Google Maps, it takes you about seven hours to get from Portland to the Elver Desert. Solid seven hours away. If, if you are a road warrior, you can make it all in one go. That's not what we did. When we went down there recently, we stopped in Sisters first and spent a couple days in Christmas Valley hmm. and stopped off at the Crystal Crane Hot Springs, which is just outside of Burns. And from there, it was a nice quick drive down to the Alvord Desert where we stopped off first at the Alvord Hot Springs, which is a great access point onto the playa and just a great spot to soak in the natural hot springs before you go out into all the dust and and heat of the desert. Yeah, it sounds like a, a pretty just harsh environment in, in many ways. But if I, I, so I read your story on Oregon Live. So I know some of the basics about the playa and how you get there and what you do. But one of the things that strikes me the most is kind of this interesting paradox of the Elver Desert. Kind of at, at once, it's this huge meditative, wide open space. Got hot springs, stargazing, camping. And then you've got 
kind of this speedster's paradise, right? You've got people racing around, land racing. I don't know that I'd ever even, land sailing rather, I don't know that I'd ever even heard that term. You know, people driving really fast in their cars. I want to get to that part of it in a second, but tell me a little bit about the hot springs, stargazing. I mean, it sounds like a really romantic combo in kind of every sense of the word. Yeah, I think it absolutely. When you're talking about beautiful places in Oregon and nice things to do, you talk about stargazing, you talk about good sunsets, soaking in hot springs. These are all things that coincide there at the desert. As far as stargazing goes, it is at one of the darkest places in Oregon, meaning that light pollution doesn't penetrate it hardly at all. So when the stars do come out at night, you can see the full Milky Way, shooting stars, other planets, satellites, everything. It's really humbling to get out there uh, when you have those clear skies and, and look up and just be in awe of everything that's in the cosmos above you. And so it sounds like you camped then, or, or did you stay in a bunkhouse or kind of what's the, what's the setup down there? You can camp anywhere on the playa, but most people camp along the outer edge of it. Because there's a lot of winds that pick up, you don't want to just put your tent in the middle of the playa. And because people do drive their cars really fast through, you don't want to be putting your tent in the way of cars coming through. But for those who don't want to camp in a tent, at the Alvord Hot Springs, they also have uh, these little bunkhouses that you can rent. They basically look like little shipping containers. They've turned into small lodging uh, options. So that's one way you can do that, too. And there's also the French Glen Hotel, which is nearby, which is an old historic hotel that Oregon State Parks now owns and manages. Oh, sweet. Where you can stay and have a little bit more uh, amenities, if that's what you're looking for. Sounds way cool. So you can camp or you can stay in a bunkhouse or this cool hotel, and then you can just drive your car out onto this cracked lake bed, you know, maybe a gorgeous sunset or sunrise behind you and and Steen's Mountain towering overhead. And you can go just drive your car like crazy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, what's up with this? The, the Alvord Desert is, is pretty big. It's uh, six miles wide and 11 miles long. Um, so it's just a really big, wide open space. And some people think about the ecological sensitivity in some areas around it where there are some natural hot springs that you can't swim in. Yeah. Those spaces are very ecologically sensitive, but this lake bed seems to be safe enough for anyone to just drive their car onto. So Hmm. because it's not a street highway, there's no speed limits. You can just kind of do what you want out there. And one of the things that we kind of want to come back to in this podcast and generally in our outdoors coverage is like how to be a good steward of the spaces you're visiting, right? So we're talking about driving really fast and camping on the edges of kind of this big, wide open, beautiful space. What should you do down there to kind of make sure you're being a good steward of this really gorgeous, super unique landscape? I think as with anywhere else, it's really just a matter of making sure you take into consideration the land. And you take into consideration the plants and the animals that are there. I think that goes a long way toward being a good steward. Um, and when you're out in the Alvord Desert, there's not a lot of that to consider. But considering other people's experiences, yeah. I think, is important. So in other words, no donuts near your neighbor's campsite in the middle yeah. of the night. You can go out into the middle of the desert and do that. We did have an experience, though, where we got up um, out of the tent at midnight to go look at the stars. When mm-hmm. they were out a little bit more. And as we're sitting there uh, and I'm taking some pictures and we're looking at the Milky Way, there was a guy in the far distance with his headlights on just going in circles for, I don't know, the entire time we were there until we went back into the tent. And we just saw his headlights just circling around 
back and forth the entire time. And it was, uh, to be honest, it was really annoying. Yeah, um, I can imagine. I mean, I respect his right to do that, but it, you know, people don't take into consideration, like my headlights are on, it's the middle of the desert, it's dark, anyone for a miles can see this. Yeah, sure. So essentially you can go drive really fast, drive in circles, do what you want to do, but ultimately try to be respectful of the people around you. And even though the playa itself is not going to be really, it sounds like affected by your driving and whatnot, still take note of your surroundings and, and be nice to the place, basically. Yeah. And on that note, I mean, I think that drivers are more at risk of the playa affecting them than they are of affecting the playa. There's some areas, while it's dry mostly, there are some areas like where the Albert Hot Springs empties out into it, where mm. it is really mucky and nasty. Oh, okay. When I was in my car, I just skimmed it barely. As soon as I felt wetness, I got out of there. Yeah. But it was enough just within one or two seconds to completely fill my wheel wells with this oh, really wow. thick, sticky mud. Like you could build a house out of this stuff. How'd you get it out of there? Uh, it cracked and dried and <laughs> fell out <laughs> as I've Great. driven. Some came out last night when I was driving to the grocery store. If you're driving 100 miles an hour yeah. in your car and you run into that mud, yeah. you can easily completely damage and total yeah, your car. That, yeah, that's not going to be good. Okay. So say we're not into fast driving we like our speed limits and more more controlled situations perhaps you're not going to be into this either but uh, i saw you referenced in your story a thing called land sailing jamie what is land sailing land sailing is like regular sailing but on the land jim <laughs> i guess i i guess i could have considered that <laughs> it's you know it, it's a it sounds like a weird thing but it's basically like a sailboat that is on wheels They've been doing this for hundreds of years okay. out there. But it, when you have a big, wide open space um, that gets windy, that is on land, it's a great opportunity if you have these kinds of vessels to get out there and catch some wind and go pretty fast. So a like lot how of, fast are we talking? I just don't have a sense of like, are, are you going 80 or are you going 10? Well, to give you some idea, Jim, the present world land speed record for uh, land sailing or any wind-powered vehicle is over 126 miles per hour. Okay. So in other words, if you're the best in the world at this, you're going to go 120. Maybe for you and I, if we went out and did that, it'd be a little bit more mellow of an experience. Probably be highway speeds, depending on the wind you get. Man, that's something else. But P, I think there's, there's, when you talk about people doing this kind of stuff in the Albert, you also have people out there in jet-powered vehicles who are going for land speed records without using the wind. You know, I actually saw a story earlier this year about a fatality that happened in an instance where, where someone was trying to set a record. And I guess I just didn't know that that was something that went on here in our state. Kind of surprising and new to me. Yeah, um, the driver was Jesse Combs, and she was out there in the Alpha Desert trying to break um, the land speed record for women drivers out there. And um, she died in a crash back this last summer, tragically. Wow. Yeah. When you talk about those kinds of vehicles, um, land speed records with jet-powered vehicles get up in excess of 360, 400 miles an hour. Those obviously are a lot faster. Now, typically when people do those, they have started going to the Black Rock Desert, Nevada, oh, okay. the Salt Flats out in Salt Lake City. Those have been more popular places, but the Alverd is you know, uh, another one of those places where you have people out there trying to go as fast as they can when you have that big, long flat open space and a, a space you're not going to super damage by driving on it really fast right it exactly. sounds like too so very interesting probably not my speed no pun intended <laughs> i mean i'm not trying to 
go that crazy fast, whether it's under my own power or it's under the power of a jet engine. It I'm with you, like, Jim. But I drove, uh, a, a, I think, a whopping 40 miles an hour when I was out there. Man, as soon, as soon as I got out there, you. as soon as I was on the playa, I was just so excited to be there. And I thought, I, I don't need to go 100, 120 miles an hour. I don't need to push my car to its limit. I just want to enjoy a nice drive out here. The sun was setting. Yeah. The playa was beautiful. The wind was whipping through the car. It was just a beautiful experience. Sounds amazing. Yeah. I mean, what's not to love? So I, I thought you had been to the Alverd before because I know that you really love Steens Mountain. I've heard you talking about it. You and I have talked about it in the office. You've talked about some hiking. I think you can drive to the top. And it, it, it sounds like you had just a little dusting of snow up there that actually kept you from driving to the top this time. So, <laughs> yeah. so uh, I guess it's more than a little dusting. Uh, what'd you find? Yeah, Steens Mountain, as we said before, is a mountain that's just on the other side of the Alvord, and it is one of the highest points in eastern Oregon, the highest point and certainly in that part of the high desert out there. Mm-hmm. It's a bit of a drive. If you're going to the Al- from the Alvord to Steens Mountain, that's an extra two hours one way. Oh, wow. So it, it's not close, not no. super close. No, you have to wrap around and then go all the way up Steens Mountain. There's a gravel road, a gravel loop road that leads up to all the viewpoints on Steens Mountain. And when we, we went up there um, in the early part of fall, we had a bit of snow, like you mentioned, but also some really nice fall foliage. Yeah. The Inseens Mountain, there are, are big stands of aspen trees in the canyons. Just bright yellow. And, and, yeah, and orange and red and green. It was just, it, they turned these beautiful colors when you're up there. And seeing both that and the snow was a really nice experience. It, because these are old uh, gravel roads that are out there, they don't plow them. Yeah. So while if you have a high clearance vehicle and four wheel drive, you can probably get up there with a light dusting. But I have the four wheel drive, not the high clearance. Couldn't Wasn't quite make it. Huh? Yeah, I was I was starting to get that thing. You probably know this when you you're like your your legs start to get stiff because you're so so tense driving. Yeah. You think I just need to turn around before yeah. I I hurt myself? That that, that sounds. It sounds like you made the right choice. <laughs> I think so. That view wasn't worth it. Eh, not worth plummeting off the slat side of a cliff. No. Uh, you said it uh, as best as anyone ever could, Jamie. <laughs> so the, the only thing that I think I'm missing so far is for everyone out there listening to this. When should we all go? You're you're looking to go there to the Alvar Desert, especially when it's not wet. That is key. And that is you're looking at the summer season, of course. Although once you go out there in the summer, you're contending with the heat. Yeah. Again, this is a, a desert. It gets up to, you know, 100, 110 degrees in the summer. Brutal out there. Yeah. Brutal. I think the, the best times to go are probably those shoulder seasons. You're looking at late spring, early fall. Okay. In September, as with pretty much everywhere else in Oregon, rains notwithstanding, are a great time to visit the Alvord or just about anywhere else. So essentially, you heard it here first. Put it on your calendar for the shoulder seasons That's this it. coming year. Do it and set aside time to do it because it's not a quick trip. No, you, you want to set aside at least three or four days just to get out there and have at least a night out there. I feel like part, part of the main attraction of this place is kind of the meditative sense of it, too, of being out there and just like, I'm going to chill. I've got my camp set up. I've got my bunkhouse. I've got whatever I'm going to do. I packed my food. I am just going to enjoy this. Yeah, it's it's not place. a place where there's a lot to do unless you're out in one of those those land boats or you're, you know, driving around the playa, but there's such a great silence to it that it's a great place to sort of sit and feel empty. Kind of empty out the soul and mm-hmm. let all that stuff that you carry around with you in the city maybe or in your day-to-day life and allow the desert to kind of let that come out of you. 
it's a great place, like you said, to, to work in that meditative state and find um, a really nice place of, of quiet in nature. I like it. I like it. Jamie, you're making me want to go. Ah, good. That's I, the I idea. suppose that's what we're here for. <laughs> so if, if you want to see photos and a story about Jamie's trip down to the Alvord, you can find them online at OregonLive.com slash travel. When we come back from this short break, we're going to talk more about what Jamie has up next. All right. So, Jamie, we heard all about your trip down to the Alvord this fall. Another trip that you took down to Bend, one of everyone's favorites. Uh, Jamie, toss us a fresh spin on, on what, what, what we should be getting into down there. Now that kind of the winter is, is kind of more or less, whether we like it or not, it's kind of upon us. Mm, it is upon us. Now Bend, I, I feel like a lot of people think about Bend as a place for summer stuff and a place for winter stuff, whether you're doing Mount Bachelor or you're doing the desert or any of these other hikes around, um, yeah. around the mountains, Three Sisters. Mountain biking, whatever you might yes. do. I've been to Bend a couple times in the fall, and I love it at that season. Not only because when you go to Drake Park, there's beautiful foliage all over the place, um, but there's a lot of really nice places and trails around the area where you can you can go. So I head up the Deschutes River Trail, which runs along the Deschutes River just south of town, and took a look at some of the other uh, indoor attractions when for when the weather gets a little nasty. So in other words, maybe a brewery or two, or uh, some good food in downtown Bend. It's great food and beer is always in Bend. There's the High Desert Museum too, which is a great little museum south of town. You know, someday if I'm ever rained out at a trip in Bend, I'd like to go check it out. Looks like a cool place. Oh, it is. Huh. Jim, I know that you always, the adventurer this time of year, have something else up your sleeve. What's up next with you? So I learned how to surf. So this this was a Whoa. new thing for me. I, I should say I learned how to kind of surf. <laughs> I mean, by surfing, I mean put on a wetsuit and went out in the ocean. Cannon Beach area, a place known as Short Sands. Oh, I'm shorties. Probably familiar. Oh, yeah. And it was just this really gorgeous experience. I went out and took a, a surf lesson and surprised myself in some ways where I was able to get up on the board right away. I'm, I'm a snowboarder. I've wakeboarded for years. I'm familiar with kind of balancing your weight. You know, on a board. board. Yeah. I know my way around a board, I suppose, but surfing is just a completely different animal feeding off the ocean and a, a natural force to propel you forward. And it was great. And something that I, I kind of had to tell myself as I was walking away. All right, Jim, no more hobbies. Say it with me three <laughs> more times because I don't, I don't want to get hooked on this and, and be toting around a so, surfboard. So. You're going to have like a surfboard on top of skis, on top of a, a paddleboard on top of your Man, car. Man, uh, the paddleboard, I, I can't do it. I can't uh, yeah. do it. I, okay. I loved it. You know, first episode of Peak Northwest was learning how to whitewater stand-up paddleboard. That was a lot of fun. You know, now I've kind of gone two for two with these, you know, water sports that I didn't know how yeah, to do. I'm, more I'm cold gonna, water. What's up with that? I'm, I'm, you know, I've had a blast with it, but I'm going to set it down for a while and we're going to go play in the mountains for the okay. winter. Okay, uh, and, and maybe get back to some water stuff in the spring. Who knows? So we'll be back next week with another episode discussing Oregon beer with our fearless breaking news editor and beer reporter Andre Meunier, who's going to... What a hype. job. Yeah, what a job. We'll talk to him about <laughs> how he got it, too. In the meantime, though, subscribe to Peak Northwest wherever you get your podcasts. Watch our latest video episode on the Oregonians YouTube channel follow us on instagram at peak northwest this episode was produced by myself jim ryan alongside jamie hale and brooke herbert 
Until next time, we leave you with this 10 seconds of Zen.